on a bright sunny July day, all the people of Gothenburg had assembled at the roadstead. A rich East Indiaman, come safely home from that distant land, lay at anchor in the Clipper Harbour, with the pennants of its Swedish flags streaming merrily in the azure sky, while hundreds of shorecraft, boats and skiffs, crammed full of rejoicing seamen, swam to and fro on the crystal-clear waves of the Goethe Elf, and the cannon of Mastuga Square thundered their far-resounding welcome out to the wide sea. The gentlemen of the East India Company strolled up and down the harbour, and with smiling faces reckoned up the rich profit which was now theirs, and were heartily rejoiced to think that their hazardous venture was now growing more and more successful every year, and that the good town of Gothenburg was flourishing more vigorously and brilliantly in the fairest bloom of commerce. And for this same reason, everyone eyed the honest gentlemen with pleasure and satisfaction, and rejoiced with them, for with their profits, sap and strength came to the active life of the whole town. The crew of the East Indiamen, well on to a hundred and fifty strong, landed in numerous boats provided for the purpose, and set about holding their hunsning, as the feast held by the crew on such occasions is called, which often lasts for several days. Musicians in wonderful motley costumes went in front, with fiddles, pipes, oboes and drums, which they plied lustily, whilst others sang all sorts of merry songs to their accompaniment. They were followed by the sailors, two and two. Some, their jackets and hats gaily beribboned, waved fluttering flags. Others danced and leapt, and all rejoiced and shouted, so that the loud hubbub resounded far on the breezes. Thus the joyous train proceeded along the wharfs, through the suburbs, until they came to the suburb of Haga, where they meant to have a right good feast and carouse in a tavern. There, the best ale flowed in streams, and bumper after bumper was emptied. As is invariably the case, where sailors returned from a long voyage, all sorts of smart girls soon joined their company. The dance began, and wilder and wilder became their enjoyment, and noisier and madder their jubilation. Only one solitary sailor, a tall, handsome man, he could scarcely have been twenty years old, had slipped away from the tumult and sat down outside by himself on the bench that stood at the tavern door. Some sailors came to him, and one of them exclaimed with a loud laugh, Helles Fröbom! Helles Fröbom! Why, you don't mean to say you've turned a melancholy old fool again, and are wasting the precious time in stupid thoughts. Look here, Ellis. If you were going to stay away from our hunsning, you'd better stay away from the ship altogether. You'll never make a decent good sailor at this rate. You've spirit enough, no doubt, and you're brave too in danger. But you can't drink at all, and you would rather keep your ducats in your pocket than fling them about socially among the landlubbers here. Drink, lad, or neck and the sea devil, the whole crew of trolls will be on your back. Ellis Fröbom sprang hastily from the bench, regarded the sailors with a fiery glance, took the goblet, which was filled to the brim with brandy, and emptied it at a draught. Then he said, You see, Jonas, that I can drink as well as any of you, and as for my being a good seaman, that is for the captain to decide. But now hold your dirty mouth and sheer off. Your wild fooling is not to my taste. What I'm after out here is no business of yours. 
There you are, Jonas replied. I knew you were born in Nerike, and they're all gloomy and miserable there and have no real pleasure in the jolly sailor's life. Just wait, Ellis. I'll send someone out to you. You'll soon be got off the bewitched bench to which Necken has nailed you. It was not long before a very smart, pretty girl came out of the tavern door and sat herself down beside the gloomy Ellis, who had sunk down again on the bench, dumb and self-absorbed. It was plain from the girl's finery, and her whole manner, that she had, alas, abandoned herself to wicked pleasures. But her dissolute life had not yet cast its blight upon the surprisingly lovely and tender features of her sweet countenance. There was no trace of repulsive boldness, nay, rather a quiet yearning melancholy in the gaze.